This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chris Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chris Meyer. You may recall one of the earliest phrases in the Bible. And here it is. Here it is. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. The serpent was more subtle. We want to talk about that subtlety here today on Viewpoint, and I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and (coughs) quite frankly, you and I are having to deal with that subtle serpent even the more so today. In fact, his influence is growing rapidly. And so we want to talk about how that influence is growing, what it looks like in many practical illustrations across our world and in our own lives, and then hopefully as a result of that, be prepared to have discernment to avoid his subtle deceptions. And so today on Viewpoint, we're talking about being seduced by subtlety persuaded by the sleight of hand of the serpent. The sleight of hand of the serpent. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says that Eve was seduced by subtlety. Eve was seduced by subtlety. Now, the interesting thing is that most seduction is subtle, at least at first. It begins subtly, and that's why people are seduced. That's why men are seduced. That's why women are seduced. And the word seduction is directly related to the sexual uh, area of our lives, and rightly so. So maybe we could get an illustration by looking what the Biden administration has just done yesterday. The Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against the state of Tennessee, arguing that a law penalizing prostitutes for spreading the human immunodeficiency virus, that's HIV, is a prohibited form of discrimination under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Discrimination. Tennessee's law defines aggravated prostitution like this. It's a felony as when an individual knowingly engages in sexual activity as a business or is an inmate in a house of prostitution or loiters in a public place for the purpose of being hired to engage in sexual activity, despite the fact that they are aware that they have HIV. But the Department of Justice argues that that law is not right because prostitutes should not be charged with more severe criminal sanctions because of their disability. Now, is HIV a disability, or is it a medically destructive and dangerous disease? You decide. The choice of the word determines whether you have been seduced or not, whether you've been seduced by subtlety, whether you've been deceived, whether you've been persuaded by a sleight of hand using a choice of words. You see, discrimination means one thing, but discrimination 
for legitimate and reasonable purposes to protect life and limb has always been appropriate. For instance, you cannot yell fire in a crowded theater. That's discrimination. You can yell fire where there is a legitimate purpose for yelling fire, but you cannot yell fire in a a crowded theater. Why? Because it's dangerous. The very words that you could use to yell fire out in a forest or in a field or somewhere in a house is not appropriate in a crowded theater when you know there's no fire. Now, if you know that you have HIV and you intentionally inflict that upon other people who don't know you have HIV, should that be something that is protected by the Justice Department? No, because it's totally contrary to the spirit of justice. Now, this, my friends, is how Satan seduced Eve in the garden. This is exactly how he did it. Now, he didn't use those words. He used different words. Hath God said. But he wasn't interested in what God had said. He only used the phrase, hath God said, as a means to get Eve's attention off guard so that he could introduce another alternative to what God had said. Because he wasn't interested in what God had said. Neither is the Department of Justice interested in justice in this case. What they're interested in is promoting LGBTQ and all of its aspects, no matter how far it goes, to injure other people. This is one of the most ridiculous expressions of the Biden administration that we have seen. But it reveals the the subtlety that seduces. And people will... They'll be taken aback and they say, well, yeah, uh, I guess that is a kind of discrimination. And so they'll be seduced to agree with something that is totally contrary to the very spirit of justice. And then about democracy. This may come as strange to you, but democracy is not pure. Did you know that? You know why democracy is not pure? Because it's made up of people. Have you noticed that people are not pure? Have you noticed that even within your congregation that people are not necessarily pure? Have you noticed that all the pastors in the world are not necessarily pure? Have you noticed that the Pope is not necessarily pure? Have you noticed that the uh, politicians and the prime ministers and uh, all of these other prominent people are not pure? Why, then, should we have absolute trust in people, which is what democracy is? Democracy is absolute trust in people. Now, people that cannot absolutely be trusted, when aggregated together in their absolute distrust or inability to trust them, actually become rulers. And those kind of rulers 
while they appear to rule democratically, are actually ruling as dictators. And that's the reason why our founders, who understood the nature, human nature, that was sinful, fundamentally sinful, rejected pure democracy as a very dangerous form of government. And so they replaced it with a republic, if you can keep it. So now we're fighting as to whether we can keep the republic because there are those who want to pursue pure democracy, which is actually a sleight of hand. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint, friend. Today, hopefully you're not confused yet, but we're going to go through a whole lot of different ways in which we are seduced by subtlety. That's right. In which we are and have been and are continuing to be seduced by subtlety. Persuaded by sleight of hand. And here's how it happens. It almost always happens in the name of, in the name of something. For instance, we were talking about democracy. So in the name of democracy, we give absolute authority to a people who are not under God and they're lawless and therefore they become dictators in the name of democracy. So when you hear, as we are, our democracy, our democracy, our democracy, our democracy, which, by the way, you hear primarily from the Democratic Party, the Democrat Party, rather. Why do they use that term? Why don't they call it our republic? Because they don't want to. They don't like the republic. They like democracy. Why do they like democracy? Because it gives them power through a form of collective dictatorship to rule, no matter whether the people's hearts are ruled by God or not. So, if you go back to our original founders, and uh, for instance, you go back to John Adams, the second president of the United States, he said, our government was made for a moral and religious or Christian people and is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Now, why did he say that? Because he knew, as did all of our founders, that humankind was fundamentally wicked, evil, just as Jeremiah the prophet had said, the heart of man is desperately wicked, who can know it? So they knew from the Bible and from human experience, looking through history, that pure democracy was not to be trusted. 
It was dangerous. Because if the people were not under God and curtailed by the Holy Spirit of God and the law of God, then they would rule tyrannically. So democracy would become tyrannical. It would not produce democracy as we think about it. The legitimate rule of people who are under God, but rather would produce something so dramatically contrary that one could hardly want to believe the horrific consequences that would come from it. Now, I know that may be a little bit hard for some people to grasp, but that's exactly what our founders thought. And they were concerned about the deceptive hand, the subtle, the subtlety of democracy. Because they didn't actually see it as that subtle. They saw right through it. But we don't. So we're persuaded by a sleight of hand. And every time we hear the word democracy, we become persuaded. And there's something that lingers in our minds as if that's true. And it's not true at all. We don't have a democracy. We have a republic. A representative democracy with checks and balances to protect against the absolute unfettered rule, collective rule of the people. What does the Democrat Party want? The Democrat Party wants to get rid of all of those checks and balances insofar as possible. Why do you think they're filling up our country with uh, millions and millions and millions of people from both the north and south borders, across the borders, because they want to undo the republic? They want to create a one-party system in the country so that they will rule in the name of democracy, without any checks and balances. That's why they want to get rid of the Electoral College. Okay? So what we're talking about here is not just, it's not a diatribe against uh, Democrats, uh, but it's just showing what is happening and why it's happening. But there are a lot of other things we're going to look at We're going to look at a lot of things, uh, the spiritual dimension of things here that affect your life and mine and uh, should be very disturbing as we think about uh, what's going on. Let's let's talk about, before we get into something uh, real personal, let's talk about what's going on over there in Israel, in the Middle East. You hear all the talk about peace and Initially, you'll remember, Israel was given the theoretical right to defend itself against the attack by Hamas. Then all of a sudden, it began to shift. It began to shift against Israel and in favor of Gazans. Not Hamas, but Gazans. Now, why the sleight of hand? It was a sleight of hand to replace what Israel was having to deal with, which was Hamas, with so-called innocent Gazans. The problem is that they weren't innocent. Eighty-plus percent of the Gazans support Hamas. That's what the latest studies have shown. Eighty-plus percent of Gazans 
support Hamas. So if Israel does not deal with the Hamasian aspect in Gaza, it will face exactly the same situation all over again. Deja vu all over again. But the liberal or progressive elements in America through the current administration and through the European Union and through uh, the uh, United Nations all have this very different view. They don't like Israel, never have and never will. They don't like the fact that Israel and the Jewish people were chosen. It stirs up a rage in them that they cannot control. And will not control. So they pretend to support, in the name of peace, they initially pretend to support Israel, but not really. What they're really doing is supporting everything but Israel in order to achieve another agenda. And what is the other agenda? The other agenda is that Israel ultimately will be curtailed by the nations and eliminated. All in the name of peace. So, as the scripture says, men will cry, peace, peace, but there will be no peace. Now, there's another way that uh, peace is used uh, subtly. We're seduced subtly by the pursuit of peace. How is that? Well, have you ever heard of the word persecution? Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. A very heavy, heavy dose of it yesterday. Well, here's another dose. Over 8,000 Christians killed in Nigeria just last year. 8,000 Christians in one country in Africa last year. Hmm. Well, where's the peace? You see, supposedly, the world is all about peace except when it comes to Christians. Because, you see, in order from the world's viewpoint, as the Bible clearly portrays, from the world's viewpoint, in order to have true peace in the world, you got to get rid of Christians. And you have to get rid of Jews. So the pursuit of peace from the broader perspective of the world, this is Satan's subtle uh, subtlety, his sleight of hand, the real way that you pursue peace is to get rid of Jews and to get rid of Christians. Why is that? Because from the world's viewpoint, which is Satan's viewpoint, they are the enemies of peace. Even the uh, uh, New Age folk, have clearly, clearly set this forth. You can read about it in my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. What do they believe? They believe that anyone, Jew or Gentile, that does not agree with their new 
global consciousness and the new world order is by definition an enemy. And here's the word that they use. They must be not singled out, but taken out. They have to be removed from society. Removed from society. Now, that's very much like what Bill Gates has said. You see, when he filed his patent application in 2020, that was going to merge our medical care with all economic control into a digital format that every human being would have to carry. The goal was that without that, you would not be allowed to be part of legitimate society. Those are his words, friends. You won't be allowed to be part of legitimate society. In other words, you're selected out. The very words that the new age use, you'll be selected out. What I'm trying to do here today on Viewpoint is to help us to understand how Satan works, how he seduces, how he tricks us through subtlety and persuades us by sleight of hand, always in the name of something else. Always in the name of something else. So, by the way, yesterday I uh, made a proposal to our listeners uh, concerning my new book, uh, When Persecution Comes, How to Prepare for Perilous Times. Now, because this is such an unusual book and it's very, very difficult now to gain the necessary resources to even publish something like this because it is so necessary, but not necessarily something that individuals want to finance or underwrite. So it's been very difficult. As we prepare this, I just finished Chapter 20, and uh, it is a life-changing, Christian-protecting book that should be read and pursued by every man, every woman, every father, every mother, every grandparent, and every pastor. Should be in their hands and read diligently by them and used in small groups. But in order for us to get this out, I made a proposal that people whose hearts God moves upon would, in $250 increments, starting with $250, would be willing to make a donation to Save America Ministries in order to secure, ultimately, 10 books that they will have in their disposal to spread about, to get out to people that they care about. Pastors, congregations, family members, whatever. So you're not buying a book. This is different than just buying a book. Now, yesterday, someone called up and said, you know, I want to be the first. 
I'm sending $500. That's terrific. Another said, you know what? I'm sending a check for $250. That's terrific. Now, if God so moves upon your heart to join in that effort, it's an end-time effort, an end-time ministry to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour, then I urge you, you can go to the website, saveus.org. You can call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. You can write to us, send a check. But when you do, whichever way you choose, you must designate what it's for, the persecution book. Okay? I hope you'll do that as God leads. We'll be back after this. Seduced by There Sunday. is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Well, it's called a new dawn of human civilization. That's exactly what Klaus Schwab called it, heading up the World Economic Forum. He was addressing this week at the World Government Summit in Dubai, and he said that humankind is transitioning into what he called the intelligent age, we're improving the human condition to merge ourselves. He calls it the fusion of physical, biological, and digital identities and making it possible for us to become godlike. We're transitioning from humans into transhumans. Now, I want you to think about that in just as, as we take a look Again, at Genesis chapter 3, here is what Eve faced in the garden. No sooner does the first marriage get performed than the next words in the scripture in Genesis chapter 3 are now the serpent. Now the serpent, representing Satan, was more subtle than any beast of the field. Now how subtle was he? Well, he asked a question of Eve. Hath God said that you should not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, she responded, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you should not eat of it. Oh. So she answered honestly, didn't she? But Satan already had her talking and thinking. 
So Satan the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes will be open and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. No, no, God never commanded or intended for the, his humankind to be as gods, to know good and evil. They didn't need to know good and evil. They knew God. And they walked with him, and they talked with him, and he walked and talked with them, and they were naked and were not ashamed. There was no, no, no such thing as good and evil in their minds and in their hearts and in their eyes, or in God's eyes with regard to them, until, until they decided to yield to the, the persuasive sleight of hand through words of the serpent. He seduced Eve by subtlety and say, you know what? Yeah, uh, God did say you should not eat of it, but, but here's the reason why. He doesn't want you to be like him. In other words, he seduced her to envy God. And that's exactly what Klaus Schwab is doing through the World Economic Forum. That's exactly what the whole globalistic intention is of Joe Biden the World Economic Forum, the UN, the entire 2030 agenda, all of it is designed to enable humankind to rise above their humanness under God and to be equal with God. Just like God destroyed, upset the apple cart at the Tower of Babel, so ultimately he will upset this ultimate... Uh, apple cart of men trying to become like God. He will. But before that happens, there's going to be terrible carnage that's going to fall upon this planet. Even as the people, the globalists are promising peace, they're going to bring the most massive carnage and persecution that the world has ever seen. They're going to come after the Jewish people, as the prophet Zechariah foretells, that is going to make the the Holocaust look like a Sunday school picnic. Two-thirds of the Jewish people are going to die as a result of the efforts of the globalists to become like God. And if you think that's just the only thing that's going to happen, you have another thing coming, my friend, because he's coming after you, as a professing Christian, because you are the inheritors through Israel of the branch who is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And that is intolerable to the globalists. So Satan now is in his final effort to seduce the nations through subtlety, persuading them by sleight of hand to do his will, and to enable him, ultimately, to sit upon the mount of God, the temple mount, and to rule and reign from a rebuilt temple and declare himself God, just as the Apostle Paul said was going to happen. And he said it was going to happen before any Christians leave this planet through a rapture. I hope you're listening. And not seduced by subtlety, 
Now, that having been said, let's go through a whole raft of things very practically that will help us to understand how this subtlety and this sleight of hand takes place. And in order to uh, understand the bigger picture, I would suggest you get a copy of my book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. It is an $18 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. If you're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, again, the book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. All right. Now, in chapter a chapter of that book called Gateways to Deception, I write, lawlessness has always been anathema to the heart of God, and it will be the most identifiable characteristic of these end times. It will reveal itself even in professing Christians and pastors, elevating their own will, their thoughts, their desires, and doctrines over the express and clear will of God, all for purportedly good reasons. In other words, in the name of certain things, they will do these things. In fact, the nearly wholesale embracing of divorce or remarriage among pastor and people is perhaps the most poignant expression of this doctrinaire democracy, with the majority shaking their collective fists in the face of God, declaring to God by a divorce rate higher among professing Christians than in their unbelieving counterparts, we don't care that you hate divorce, Lord, and call remarriage adultery while the former spouse yet lives. We don't care about that. We want what we want, and the majority are saying, this is cool, this is fine, our pastors are telling us the same thing, and it doesn't matter what you said. Satan says, you know what? It's cool. God wants you happy. So, you might be aware. For that reason, Jesus, in his final address to his disciples on the Mount of Olives before his crucifixion, said, beware of deception. So we're living with that warning right now, aren't we? And the culmination of history is at the door. The birth pangs are upon us. So the question is, where do you stand? Where do we stand? Are you already, perhaps unwittingly, an accomplice in the gathering end time rebellion, which is exactly what it is. An end time rebellion against God's authority, hath God said. It began in the garden, and the methodology of the enemy of your soul has never had to change because he's so successful. He is so successful. Seduction of the Saints. I hope you get a copy of the book. Uh, many people who have gotten this book. what it's probably the second second or third bestseller of all of my books. You know why? Because it's so practical. 
It's just so practical. It just opens up our hearts and our minds so that we can think straightly and clearly, and we don't have to be confused anymore. Confusion and chaos is the agency of the enemy of our souls. All right, let me ask you a question. We talked about peace. Uh, men will pursue peace, peace when there is no peace. And so they, they will replace peace with compromise. Now, there's a place for compromise, but Israel can't compromise. Israel cannot compromise with Hamas because Hamas has dedicated itself to destroying Israel. In fact, even during all of what's going on there, Hamas has declared through its leadership they have no intention of resolving anything with Israel. Any any effort along that uh, line for ceasefires or anything else like that is only to gain further opportunity to build up more resistance against Israel because their intent is not peace, but destruction. Satan does not want to make peace with God. If he did... He would repent, wouldn't he? He doesn't want to make peace with God. Hamas doesn't want to make peace with Israel or with God. Hamas actually not only wants to rule and destroy Israel, but has declared openly their intent to rule the world under Sharia law. Are you listening? That's why we can't really have peace. But Jesus will give us a different kind of peace. He says, my peace I give unto you, not the kind of peace that the world is promising. So let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I've got some promises ahead for you. If you'll obey my voice. If you'll do my will. Hmm. We'll do that. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Do you remember there in Matthew chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse, when Jesus said, Many will come in my name and deceive many. Many will come in my name and deceive many. You see, what happens is that the enemy of your soul, the seducer, Satan, 
the serpent that came and tested Eve with subtlety in the Garden of Eden, always comes in the name of the Lord or something that seems to be positive. That's how he sells his deception. It's a sleight of hand. So he starts with that which seems to be positive and good, and where it ends up through seduced rebellion is just the opposite. Think about this. Jesus' brother James said, be clothed with humility. Or actually, it was Peter that said, be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. So what is Satan's deception, his sleight of hand? He says, look, that's too long a process. Just lift yourself up. Exalt yourself. So the scripture says we should exalt the Lord our God, and Satan says, no, exalt yourself. So you recall Dr. Robert Schuler said, it's not right. It's abusive to tell people they're sinners. That's diminishing them. No, you need to treat them like God. So, he says, all they need is more self-esteem. They don't need to be saved from sin. They just need to be saved from their low self-esteem. They need to be feel more like God. So we raised up millions and millions of pastors and parachurch leaders all over the world to follow that same theme in the church growth movement and then through the seeker-sensitive movement. Now, how does Satan use this outside of the church? Oh, well, have you ever heard of the word Islam? Do you know what the word Islam means? Submission. It does not mean voluntary submission. It means make them submit. You either submit or off with your head, or come under a horrific tax system from which you will never recover. Mandated submission. And that's supposed to be coming in the name of God, Allah. You see the deception? The whole Islamic movement is deception. It comes in the name of God, but is totally contrary to the will and the ways of God. And that, my friends, is going to be one of the three great powers that are going to meet on the fields of battle, both spiritually and uh, physically, geopolitically, as we come into the final days of the end of the age. Let's talk about something as simple as love. We've just been talking about uh, uh, Valentine's Day. We're told that love makes the world go around. And love is very important. God is love. And he wants us to love one another. So what does Satan do? What is his subtlety? How does he seduce by subtlety? By using love. 
where he persuades by a sleight of hand to substitute a fleshly form of love, lasciviousness. In other words, it's all about the flesh. It's not about the heart. It's about the flesh. And the Bible says that that which is of the flesh always yields corruption. You see what Satan does? He uses love to seduce, but he's not about the love of the Bible. He's not about the love of God. He's not about sacrificial love. He's about Eros love only. Now, there's nothing wrong with Eros love in and of itself if it's coupled with agape love and brotherly love. But that's not in Satan's agenda. How about the word law? Law is good. In fact, the law of God was good. The Apostle Paul said that the law of God was righteous. He didn't put it down. He said the law of God was righteous. So what was the problem? The problem is that just by keeping the law, you can't save yourself. You know why? Because we're all sinners. In sin did my mother conceive me, and I cannot keep the law perfectly. Only one was able to keep the law perfectly, and his name was Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ. So salvation is of the Jews through Yeshua, Jesus Christ. He was the only law keeper, and he was the law giver. And he was born of the tribe of Judah, which was the law-giving tribe. So what about this law? Well, the problem is not with the law. The problem is with the people. We the people. You see, in our preamble to our Constitution, with some gents tried to cover over with pink powder this week, it says, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, to establish justice, promote domestic tranquility, preserve the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. That was good. That was righteous in its statement. That was the purpose of the Constitution. But it required a people whose hearts were governed by God. And the Bible. So John Winthrop, not John, but uh, Robert Winthrop, there in the early 1800s said, look, we will either be governed by a power within, that is the Holy Spirit, or by a power without, either by the Bible or by the bayonet. In other words, by force. So what does Satan promise through law? Selfish liberty. Not just liberty, considering other people. No, you are the only one that counts. 
selfish liberty. I want what I want, and I'm going to do what I want, and I want that kind of freedom, and that's the kind of freedom that Satan promises. It's a perversion of biblical law. It's a perversion of the Spirit of Christ. And that's what's being increasingly forced upon we the people in this country. And it's coming under color of law. It's coming in the name of law. Just like yesterday, the Biden administration, through the Department of Justice, tried to enforce upon the state of Tennessee the acceptance of prostitutes spreading HIV without informing their guinea pig clients and not having to sustain any penalty for it. Why? For the promotion of LGBTQ, which is radical freedom without any responsibility. That's not love, and it's not law. How about justice? We say, with liberty and justice for all. Really? Well, that's not the kind of justice that's being promoted today. The kind of justice that's being promoted today is just the opposite. In the name of justice, we're promoting injustice. Why do you think a man has been holed up in solitary confinement because he happened to be present somewhere in the area on January 6th and he's been held up without, I think there's been no conviction. He's been held up in solitary confinement for all these months. Why? Is that justice? No. Why are they doing that? In the name of justice, it's about power. It's about gaining power in the name of justice. It's not about justice. Why do you think all these cases have been brought against one man when the other counterpart who sits in the office has so many things that are just open, obvious, they're coming out every single day, and he, he has no consequences brought by the Department of Justice. Because it's not about justice. It's about power. That's how Satan operates, friends. He's not interested in justice. He's interested in gaining dominion for his cause. And how about righteousness? Well, the Bible calls for righteousness, doesn't it? Righteousness is the habitation of God's throne. But what is righteousness? Righteousness is not the new modern form of perverted justice, accepting everything that God says he hates and calls an abomination. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is right ways from God's viewpoint. You see, viewpoint determines destiny. It always does. Always determines destiny. So what happens in the name of righteousness? Rules. Rules that are contrary to God's established ways of righteousness. 
And then if you don't abide by the rules, then they say you're not righteous. No. This is the reason why the Ten Commandments themselves and all the law was insufficient. Did God abandon the Ten Commandments? Absolutely not. Jesus came to give full meaning to them. In other words, he says, look, if you think that the law said thou shalt not commit adultery, I'm telling you, that's just the beginning of the story. I say to you that if you've looked upon a woman at all to lust after her, you committed adultery already. So the 70% of Christian men that are engaged in pornography by their own admission are adulterers per Jesus' words as are 30% of their pastors that also admit to engaging in pornography, and the 34% of Christian women who also are pursuing female forms of pornography. Are we making sense now? But Satan says, no, uh, that's okay, uh, because, you know, nobody's being injured. Oh, really? You sure could have fooled me. How about the woman that called me last evening? and talk for 45 minutes about the situation where someone in the home was engaged in pornography for years and how it's affected the marriage. Hmm. And then we talk about obedience, we talk about joy, holiness, order, servanthood, hope, sacrifice, the way, the truth, the life, cooperation. I mean, all of these things, friends, have their counterfeits with Satan. Sleight of hand, seduced by subtlety. Don't let it happen to you. Get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. It'll help along those lines. An $18 book used for $15 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. Uh, become a partner. Send your gifts by faith, friends, to Save America Ministries. If you're going to be part of the Persecution Book Project, make sure when you send your check or whatever, you designate specifically what it is for. We'll be right back tomorrow or next week after this. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.